All right, she's passing out those presents. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Mamas, you guys are awesome. I actually wanted to, this is the only time I read poems is on Mother's Day, so I have a poem to read you. I didn't write it. Um, some other lady, other mother wrote it, so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, a Mother's Love is the poem's title. It says, A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns, and it grows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining. It defies all explanation, and it still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation. A many-splendored miracle man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God's tender and guiding hand. So, mothers, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, and we just want to pray for you guys this morning uh, here and also on Facebook Live. Mothers, you're appreciated. You're loved. You do so much and are often um, not thanked for that. But let's just pray for the moms this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for all the moms here and listening. God, we pray that you would bless them. God, that you would lift them up, that you would give them strength, that you would help them to know that they're loved and appreciated. God, that you're with them and you have given them the strength and the tools and all they need to raise their children, Lord, in your name. And so we thank you for the moms, Lord. Bless them, be with them, and lift them up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for all being here today. I really miss gathering together and uh, just seeing your faces is awesome. I'm just so super stoked and excited just to see some of you guys and We've been praying for you. We've been praying for your family. And please, if you need any prayer or anything at all, let us know. Um, we are the church, and so we're here for one another. And um, God has blessed us with a beautiful day, like Todd said, to worship and get into his word. So we're just going to continue on in Colossians. Um, uh, the title today, and this is an overarching theme, but today, the title today is The Savior. The Savior. And we're studying through Colossians, as you guys know, in our verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, book-by-book study, and we're going to continue that, but it's such a deep letter that Paul wrote. It's not like a surface-level letter. It's deep. So today we're going to start this four-part series. We're still going to go verse-by-verse, but a four-part series called Jesus is Essential. And if you think Jesus is essential, turn your lights on. Can you turn your lights on? Try to make this? Okay. Jesus is essential. Turn your lights on. There we go. Yes, everyone thinks Jesus is essential. Good. Um, and so let me give you just the title of each of Sundays, the next four Sundays. Again, today is Christ the Savior. Next week, Christ is the Creator. Christ is the head of the church. And He's the beloved of the Father. And, uh, and kids have a very different idea about what is essential and what is non-essential, you know, than adults. I mean, when I was a kid, the most essential thing is to get outside, play in the dirt, run around, find adventure, uh, watch cartoons, you know, eat good food. For my daughters, what's essential is watching shows and just eating candy. That's all they want to do. If we ask them, what do you want to do? Those are the two things, always at the top of the list. But as you grow older, what's essential seems to change a bit. You know, friends become essential, school becomes essential, having free time becomes essential. 
And then when you graduate high school, picking your career becomes essential, going to the right college becomes essential, finding the right church, getting the right job, meeting the right person, living in the right place, they all become essential. But as we go through life, those essential things, they will change. But when it comes to the spiritual, we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is essential, that church is essential. You know, and praise the Lord for technology. We're able to, we, we bet, we've been able to gather together through technology. Um, now, yes, we've been meeting Zoom and Facebook Live through text and uh, phone calls, FaceTime, all of that. Um, and we, we complied for the period of time we complied for, and we know that that mandate thing is lifted tomorrow, and that we already set up the church inside for next Sunday with the chairs spread apart and everything else like that. But, but when it comes to church, church is essential, right? And everything in regards to following God is essential. And so again, this morning, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is essential. And that's kind of a key word today, right? I mean, that's kind of a key word in our society right now, essential. The dictionary definition of essential is absolutely necessary, indispensable, crucial, fundamental, needful, and required, and right hand, actually. And I think it very much describes Jesus. You know, he's necessary for salvation. He's required to connect with God because he's the mediator between God and man. He's at, our right, he's at the right hand of the Father, right? And in our world, in our community presently, we see what is deemed as essential as far as jobs and stores and schools, but it's really causing a difficult season for many people. And some would say what is essential is subjective, not objective. But for us as a church, you know, uh, Jesus is essential. And so what we're doing right now is essential, meeting together. And, and as Christians, Jesus, it's the, he's the most essential person in this whole world, in the whole universe. And so, it, again, like, I just want to look at the spiritual implications of the truth, the fact that Jesus is essential. He's necessary because he is the Savior, Jesus is essential for salvation, essential for heaven. Uh, he's essential to eradicate death and destroy darkness. He's essential in order for us to connect with the creator of the universe. He's essential for eternal life, for rescuing, for redeeming, for forgiveness of sins, because he's our savior. And so let's pray, and we're literally only going to look at two verses, but uh, let, they're deep and dense, so let's pray, and then we'll get into the scripture. Well, again, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful day. We can just actually enjoy your creation as we're hearing your word, Lord. We just pray that you would speak to us, God, and be with us now. Encourage us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, the false teachers in this day, just like the false teachers today, they would not deny the importance of Jesus. What they attempted to do is dethrone Jesus. And guess what? It's not going to happen. Right, ever. These guys gave Jesus prominence, but not preeminence. And in these two verses, which are super powerful, they, this dense doctrine, it's essential for our lives as Christians that Christ is the Savior. So look at Colossians chapter, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Two verses here. It says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, what is humanity's biggest problem? It's the S word, sin. Right? Sin is humanity's biggest problem. And the fact is, no person can solve the sin problem. As Christians, we understand and get that we are sinners in need of a Savior. 
And what we're going to see in these two verses are four saving actions that Christ did on our behalf. Four saving actions in these two verses. He delivered us, He conveyed us, He redeemed us, and He has forgiven us. And so the verse 13 is, He delivered us. The word delivered, it actually means rescued from danger. If you were in danger, I guarantee you, you would want to be rescued. Right? I met an older gentleman a few years ago in, in Mobile, and um, he was in Vietnam. He fought in Vietnam. And he was saying how they attacked, one time they attacked him and his company on the battlefield, and most of his platoon were killed. They were shot and killed. And he was one of two survivors, he said. And he was in a hole in the ground and was surrounded. And his goal was to get rescued. You know, he was having communication with the copters or whatever, and it's like, and so he, he had to make his way through the woods, undercover, try not to get shot and killed. He wanted to be rescued, and he found the copter, he got up, you know, they flew away, he got rescued, right? I, he wanted to get rescued, he didn't want to die there on the battlefield. And he was just, I was talking to him, he's a maintenance man. Now, he's an old guy, he's a maintenance man, who was just retelling the story of rescue, and his life was spared, he was just so thankful about it. Spiritually speaking, this is our story. We've been rescued. We could not rescue ourselves from drowning in the darkness. And before Christ, we were in danger of spending forever separated apart from the Lord. But we were delivered from the authority of Satan, right? And spiritual death. We're delivered away from that. And see, the Gnostics, they actually believed in the organization of evil spirits that controlled the world. And the Bible talks about the God of this world, the enemy who swayed many lives to walk in the darkness rather than walking in the light. And those who walk in the darkness, they don't want to come into the light because they know they're not living right. And that same phrase, the power of darkness, is in Luke twenty-two fifty-three, where Jesus spoke of the darkness surrounding his arrest. And these words speak of the sinister forces that were coming against Jesus. So here's how powerful and harmful the power of darkness is if one is living in the darkness. The power of darkness lulls us to sleep. The power of darkness is masked in fun. The power of darkness afflicts and depresses. The power of darkness appeals to the flesh. But the good news is that God delivered us from the depths of spiritual darkness. And if you accepted Christ, you've been delivered. And so now we get to live like we're delivered. Don't go back to this, the bleak way of living, you know. He delivered us, number one. And number two, he conveyed us. That's in the second part of verse 13. So this word actually was used to describe deportation of a population from one country into another. History tells us that Antiochus the Great conveyed or transported at least 2,000 Jews from Babylon to Colossae. See, Jesus Christ didn't deliver us, deliver us just to wander around aimlessly. He moved us or conveyed us into his kingdom of light and made us victors over the enemy's feeble and crumbling kingdom. And at the transfiguration at the mount, God called Jesus his beloved son. You remember that? My beloved son. And this fact reminds us the price the father paid in giving his son for us. And so God's kingdom is a kingdom of light and a kingdom of love. God brings rescue to his kids. And think about the children of Israel. They were delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery, into freedom, into the promised land. God brings us out of the darkness so he could bring us into the light. We've been saved, and our lives are transferred under the authority of the Lord. We've been conveyed from darkness to light. 
When we surrendered to Christ, we became His, and our thoughts, our desires, our actions changed. And we come under His authority as He moves into our hearts and then leads our lives. Aren't you blessed that you're saved? It's amazing to walk with the Lord. It's amazing to think that God chose us from the foundations of the world to be His. So He delivered us, He conveyed us, and number three, He redeemed us. And that's in verse 14. He redeemed us. So the word redeemed actually means to release a prisoner by the payment of ransom. See, by Jesus' death and resurrection, He met the holy demands of God. Jesus took the wrath so we could walk with God. And the enemy wants to accuse you and I and remind us that we're guilty of breaking God's law. But we've have, we have to remember that the ransom has been paid on Calvary, on the hill of Calvary, and through faith in Christ. We've been set free. The devil can accuse us all he wants, but he tells us, you're guilty. God says, yeah, but I'm going to forgive you. We're set free. Redeemed means released by legal ransom. The price of our release was paid, paid by the blood of Jesus. And that's why when one prays, when you hear this phrase, we plead the blood of Jesus, they say that because it's a phrase that demonstrates we are redeemed by the power of His blood. So you and I have been rescued from the darkness because the bail has been paid. You know, before I was a believer, many years ago, I had some friends who got in big trouble, and they went to jail. And they called me to bail them out. I mean, they were guilty. They knew they were guilty. They, the cops knew they were guilty, but they wanted to get bailed out so they could be free until their court hearing. See, we were rightfully accused because we're guilty of being sinners, right? We were guilty. Yet the judge slammed the gavel down. God slammed the gavel down and said, forgiven, free, released. Even though we didn't deserve it. He says, you're released. Go. Walk with me. God is good. He delivered us. He conveyed us. He redeemed us. And lastly, he's forgiven us. The last part of verse 14. So redemption and forgiveness, they go together. The word forgiveness actually means to send away or to cancel a debt. It's like God sends away our sin and the debt of judgment is paid. It's just, that's why it's called good news. The gospel literally means good news. This is good news. Look what God has done for us through Christ. He set us free. He conveyed us into his kingdom and canceled every debt so that we would not be enslaved to sin. Satan cannot indict us. He can't. God's forgiveness is an act of grace. And that, you know, this is the good news, and this is why we are all about Christ. And I just want to end just listing a few things, because knowing we are forgiven, it does a few things in our lives, knowing we are forgiven. Number one, knowing we are forgiven makes it possible for us to fellowship with God. You can connect with the creator of the universe anytime you want. Even during this whole isolation thing, we never have to be isolated from God. God doesn't stay at this building, right? He goes with you wherever you go. We have constant connection with God, and therefore we can be in constant communication with Him. And then number two, knowing that we are forgiven allows us to enjoy His grace. You don't deserve, I don't deserve the spiritual blessings, but hey, God says, hey, I'm going to give you them anyway. It's like, you, 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 it's like a kid who does a horrible thing and he does, deserves nothing good. He deserves everything to be taken away. But you're like, you know what? Here's a bunch of gifts. What? It's kind of shocking. But that's God's grace. You know, we don't deserve any spiritual blessings, but he's like, you know what? You're walking with me. Here you go. Thank you, God. We are not to be entitled, though, or, or have like an I deserve everything mentality, but we're to be thankful for the gifts that he gives. 
Knowing that we're forgiven, number three, paves the way to be used by God. We can actually be used to further God's kingdom. We don't get, shouldn't get any of the glory, but we can actually be used for God's kingdom to further it. So the Lord leads us, and we are ambassadors for Him. We are failures that are filled with faith that God actually uses to further His kingdom. That is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Forgiveness, I just want to be clear though, forgiveness is not an excuse to sin. Forgiveness is a motivation to be obedient to God. Forgiveness is not an excuse to sin, it's a motivation to be obedient to God. And also from Colossians 3, we know that since we've been forgiven, we can actually forgive others. The parable of the unforgiving servant makes it clear that an unforgiving spirit always leads to bondage and entrapment. Jesus, he's, he's, the main thing is Jesus is preeminent for salvation. Our Father is a forgiver through Christ. He's our Savior. And so the phrase, through His blood, reminds us the cost of salvation. In the Old Testament, remember Moses and the Israelites, they had to shed blood of a lamb to be delivered from Egypt. Jesus had to shed his blood for forgiveness of sins. The cost was high, but God thought it was worth it. God thought you were worth it. He longed to set people free of the darkness, to convey them out of this world and into his kingdom, to redeem them, to forgive them. It's all good news. It is all good news. He delivered us. He conveyed us. He redeemed us. And he's forgiven us. So I, I just hope, I know it's two verses, but it's super deep and super encouraging, but we can thank our Lord. He absolutely loves you. You know, He takes you out of the darkness, puts you in the light. Sometimes we run from the light, but He says, no, 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 go back. Go back to your Father. Okay, okay, Lord, we're going back. Keep walking in the light. He is so good. He is gracious. He is forgiving. He is loving. He's amazing. And He forgives you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what, maybe how you failed this last week, Guess what? You ask God for forgiveness, He's not going to be like, well, let me think about that. You know, Maybe people will, but God never will. Instantaneously, repent, forgiven, set free. Through Christ. It is through Christ that we're set free. It's amazing news. It's good news of the gospel. So, let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You for this time, again, just to gather together, to worship You, Lord, and respond to You, because You are so good. We thank you for sending Christ to die and to rise again, Lord, so that our old lives can die and that we can walk in the newness of life with a new heart, new desires, new outlook, new perspective on life, an eternal outlook. We love you so much, God. We thank you for this time. Continue to speak to our hearts this week and that we will continue to walk in the light with you by your strength, by your wisdom.